0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland, and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thank you so much, Clara, and the guys, for leading us uh, tonight. I'm going to get stuck into what we're talking about. As you know, we are on the Gospel of Mark for the whole of summer. Um, they're looking at this idea of the servant king, reflecting on Jesus right through Mark. And so We'll be doing that in the morning and the night, and so we're picking it up again this evening. Before I start tonight, we're going to be talking a lot about soil. We're going to be talking a lot about seeds. We're going to be talking lots about sewers. And so I thought I would actually just show you some of my own products before I begin. Here we go. I knew that, um, for some of you who know, I got married in December, and I knew that married life would probably teach me a lot, but what I didn't expect it to do was bring out my inner Alan Titchmarsh. I've become very, very proud of my tiny little garden that I have. Now, I could have showed you my lovely hanging baskets and my lovely flower boxes, but we purchased all of those from a garden centre and planted them, but these we have grown from seeds. So here you can see, here's our sunflowers ready to bloom any day. and then. We have our pumpkins, so we have to wait to autumn to see what's going to come of those. And if anyone needs a pumpkin in autumn, you know where to come, because I'm going to have more than enough. But um, So hopefully tonight, through my newfound insights, might give us a bit more insight into what we're talking about tonight through looking at the soil and the seed and the sower. As we continue through our journey of Mark, we reach chapter four tonight, and we come to one of the most extensive teaching sections in the Gospel of Mark, and there really only are two. There's one here in chapter 4 and there's another in chapter 13. See, this is a kind of an action-packed gospel. It's kind of the newspaper edition of the record of the life and the ministry of Jesus. Mark doesn't doesn't spend a lot of time on the detailed teachings of Jesus he's just given us the headlines he's given us the 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 glamorous but here's what Jesus did here's what the healings that he done here's the miracles that he did and there are sections of teaching scattered throughout the writings but not nearly to the same degree as the other three gospels Matthew Luke and John and so when we do land on a teaching section we know that Mark is saying this has great significance Do you know if you go to a newspaper, and if this is a newspaper edition of the gospel, you know when you get like a full page spread, you know a full editorial, you know, here, this is big news. It's not just a wee snippet. It's not just a picture. It's not just a highlight. I want to read this editorial. And so we know when we come on a teaching section of Mark that he's putting great significance on this. And certainly this is the case when it comes to the passage that we're talking about tonight, the parable of the sower found in Mark chapter 4 verses 1 to 20 and I'm going to start just by reading out the parable. The next time Jesus taught beside Lake Galilee, a big crowd gathered. It was so large that he had to sit in a boat out on the lake while the people stood on the shore. He used stories to teach them many things and, and this is part of what he taught. Now listen, a farmer went out to scatter seed in a field and while the farmer was scattering seed, some of it fell along the road and was eaten by birds. Other seeds fell on thin, rocky ground and quickly started growing because the soil wasn't very deep. So quickly, Other seeds fell on the thin, rocky ground and quickly started growing because the soil wasn't very deep. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and dried up because they did not have enough roots. Some other seeds fell where thorn bushes grew up and choked out the plants, so they did not produce any grain. But a few seeds did fall on good ground, where the plants grew and produced 30 or 60 or even 100 times as much as it was scattered, then Jesus said, if you have ears, pay attention. When Jesus was alone with the 12 apostles and some others, they asked him about these stories and he answered, I explain explained the secret about God's kingdom to you, but to others I can only use stories. The reason is these people will look and look but never see. They will listen and listen, but never understand. If they did, they would turn to God and he would forgive them. Jesus explains the story about the farmer. Jesus told them, If you don't understand this story, you won't understand any others. What the farmer is spreading is really the message about the kingdom. The seed that fell among the road are the people who hear the message, but Satan soon comes and snatches it away from them. The seeds that fell on the rocky ground are the people who gladly hear the message and accept it straight away but they don't have any roots and they don't last very long. As soon as life gets hard or, or the message gets them in trouble, they give up. The seeds that fell among the thorn bushes are also people who hear the message, but they start worrying about the needs of this life. They're fooled by the desire to get rich and so have all kinds of other things. So they, the message gets choked out and they never produce anything. The seeds that fall on good ground are the people who hear and welcome the message. They produce 30 or 60 or even 100 times as much as was planted. The parable of the sower is one of the better known parables. A Sunday school favourite. I've coloured in many a colouring sheet alongside this parable. It provides us with valuable insights into the kingdom of God. As we read, Marcus sets the scene in this here of Jesus, once again, trying to create some space between him and the crowd, and the continually swelling crowd, so that he doesn't crush him. So Jesus genuinely has a fear on his life, so much so that he's going to choose a boat as his pulpit this time. He needs to create so much distance between him and the crowd, he chooses a boat as his pulpit. News was of the, spirit, and the miracles were spreading far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. And so as he gets in the boat, the crowd settle on the shore, and Jesus begins to teach. Now, Jesus was not telling this parable to highlight farming problems, but explain the unexpected way that the kingdom of God was arriving. We've already witnessed various responses to Jesus' message and the demonstration of the kingdom in chapter 3. For those who've been following along with us, in chapter 3, we see the Pharisees listened, but they listened with sinister motives. They gasped in horror as he broke Sabbath, as he broke the food laws and made outrageous claims. It says in Mark 3, verse 3, he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. There were many different responses to this message of the kingdom. Jesus' family were even embarrassed of him, and clearly they didn't have an idea of what he was up to and came to take him home. They thought he had lost the plot. We read it in Mark 3, verse 21. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. The crowds were just thrill-seeking. Jesus instructed the disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. What about the disciples? The disciples leave all to follow him. And then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. And they were to accompany him and they would be sending them out to preach. Tax collectors fishermen's mender of nets so we've already witnessed there's various responses to the Jesus message the Pharisees listened with sinister motives Jesus family were embarrassed and didn't really get what he was trying to say the crowds were just thrill-seeking they'd heard a good story they heard about this miracle man and they just wanted to go see what the crack was and then there's the disciples the disciples leave all to follow him So why does Jesus now tell this parable of the sower? Because Jesus was explaining that the reason for such varied responses to his message was the variant receptivity of the people's hearts. Because Jesus was explaining the reason for such varied responses to his message was the varying receptivity of people's hearts. How much of it they were willing to receive for themselves. See, his message is not lacking in power to produce fruit, but requires a human response. So Jesus' message wasn't lacking power to produce freedom. It just needed a response from each individual. And this is a parable that defines how people will respond to the gospel and why. People were expecting the kingdom of God, you see, to explode. You know, the Jews had had a long hope for the kingdom of God. They had a long hope for this Messiah. They thought he was going to explode into the world in a blaze of glory. They knew that they wouldn't be able to deny that he wasn't the Messiah. But instead, they have a traveling preacher Telling riddles, getting a mixed response. This was not what they had expected. They probably thought, who's this cowboy who's rolled into town saying he's the Messiah? He's talking in these gibberish stories. He's got these 12 loony bins following after him. It's not what we thought the kingdom of God was going to look like. They were waiting for the big and the obvious. They thought this Messiah would ride in and overturn and overthrow, that he would make them a great nation once again. This was their moment for renewal. They had such high hopes for this Messiah. But then Jesus tells them, it's more like a farmer sowing seed. And you know what? Much of that apparently goes to waste because the soil isn't fit and it can't actually sustain it. So imagine your hope for this Messiah to rush in in a blaze of glory, turning over and overthrowing and declaring that your, your nation is great. But you get this traveling carpenter who he says, it's like a farmer sowing seed. And you know what? Much of that seed goes to waste because the soil is not fit for it and it can't sustain it. You see, the kingdom is coming all right, but just not in the way that they imagined. It was in response to this that Jesus tells this parable. Jesus was trying to open their eyes and open their ears so they could see and hear what God was actually doing. To cut across their preconceived ideas, to think what they thought the Messiah should be and should look like, and to actually open their eyes and ears and say, here's what God is actually doing right now, right in front of you. And he used parables to reveal the truth to those whose eyes were open to God. He used parables to reveal the truth to those who were open to God and saying to, and, and to conceal the truth to those who had closed their minds to what God was saying. Let me say that again. He used parables to reveal the truth to those who were open to what God was saying and to conceal truth from those who had closed their minds to what God was saying. So parables are twofold, okay? There's a part of it that is revelation and part of it is about concealing. Revelation of truth to those who are open to what God is saying and to conceal the truth from those who had closed their minds to what God was saying. Someone has to find a parable as this: an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. A parable takes the common everyday events of life and uses them to illustrate the deep things of God, and in this instance, farming. So it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. See, a parable isn't actually an illustration. A good teacher can illustrate by stating a truth and then illustrating the truth through a story or an analogy. You know, how we teach here's the truth and here's what it means. And we'll tell a story or an analogy to go along with that. But when Jesus used parables, he didn't start by stating the truth. He was purely just using an illustration or an analogy. Instead, this is what it, the parable was like a doorway. Jesus' listeners stood at the doorway and heard him. If they were not interested, they stayed on the outside but if they were interested, they could walk through the doorway and think about the truth behind the parable and what it meant to their lives. It's like a doorway. Jesus' listener stood at the doorway and heard him. If they were interested, they stayed on the outside. But if they were interested, they could walk through the doorway and think about the truth behind the parable and what it meant to their lives. That's why he says to the disciples this verse. You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing, and when they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise they will turn to me and be forgiven. You see, it was almost like an act of grace. They couldn't reject or be judged in what they can't understand. They couldn't reject or be judged on what they can't understand. They might therefore avoid a greater condemnation for having rejected a clearly understood truth. This is why Jesus speaks in parables for those who want to walk through the doorway and those who want to stay in the hall. The parables are not meant to obscure or hide the truth from anyone, but rather nurture a hunger for the meaning that those who truly hear will seek God. The parables are not meant to obscure or hide the truth from anyone. So don't, don't hear, like, hear me in this. Jesus was not trying to hide it from certain people, but rather to nurture a hunger for the meaning so that those who truly hear will seek God. And in fact, this teaching, the parable, is so important that if you read verse 13, Jesus said to them, "'Do you not understand this parable?' Then he added, "'How will you understand all the other parables?' So if a parable is there to give revelation of some truth Jesus, then you really need to get this one. You really need to walk through the doorway of this one. You really need to get understanding of this one for your life. Because if you don't get this one, you'll not understand the rest. In other words, if you don't get this one, you won't get the rest. If you get this one, you'll get the rest. It was almost like a key. If you get this parable, it's going to unlock wisdom and understanding and knowledge of all the other parables that I'm about to tell. Jesus considered this parable as an essential to understanding the other parables. And so the truth of this parable needs to be sought out. This is why Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. Such is the important, he's saying, he who's got ears, let him hear. If he was around today, here's what I think he'd say. He goes, Are you listening to me? Then do what I say. This is what it would translate in today. Are you listening to me? Then do what I say. He's trying to grab the ears of the people. Such is the importance of this parable. The message puts it this way. Are you listening to this? really listening you know sometimes like your kids might listen to you but they don't actually listen to you jesus and are you listening to this are you really listening to this because here's the thing everyone who heard this parable could immediately relate to what jesus was teaching they'd all seen a farmer walk into his field and begin to sow seed into that field they'd all seen crops spring up and begin to grow jesus was using a common scene to teach a deep spiritual truth And one of the commentators says, we can imagine what different people in the Jesus audience might have thought when he taught this parable with no explanation. And so, in the culture of the day, you had to sow seed to get food. It was a very common picture that Jesus was using. But we can imagine the different responses that people might have had. The farmer might have thought, he's telling me that I have to be more careful in the way I cast my seed. I guess I've been wasting an awful lot. The politician thought, He's telling me that I need to begin a farm education program to help farmers more efficiently cast their seed. There's going to be a big boost in my re-election campaign. The news reporter thought he's telling me that there's a big story here about the bird problem and how it affects the farming community. That's a great idea for a series in the paper. The salesman thought he's encouraged me in my fertilizer sales. I could help that farmer more than he knows if only he used my product." You see, Jesus' teaching by parables offered his hearers the opportunity to dig deep and find the truth or to turn a blind eye to an interesting story. It offered the hearers the opportunity to dig deep and find truth or to turn a blind eye to an interesting story. And this parable focused on the soil where the word of God is sown, our hearts. Though this is commonly called the parable of the sower, it really should be called the parable of the soils. You see, the difference is never the sower or the seed, but in the kind of soil it falls on. It's not primarily a parable about a sower because nothing is ever said about the sower. It's not primarily a parable about the seed because there's only one statement made about the seed. It is a parable about soil. You see, Mark's gospel is about the kingdom of God. And in chapter four, Mark specifically begins to expose what exactly the kingdom is like the string of parables that is found in chapter four ask and then begin to answer one specific question. In whom does the kingdom best take root? In whom does the kingdom best take root? So let's delve into this message and truth of this parable. Let's start by looking at the sower. In our age of high technology, farmers use precision drills to place seed in the ground at precise depths and distances apart. But in Jesus' day, broadcasting or scattering the seed was the only method available. So a sewer went out to sow, they would create rows just like they do today, but they would plow them either by hand or with an animal. And then they would walk up and down the rows and they would have over their shoulder a bag, and that bag would be loaded with seed. And they would use the broadcasting or their scattering method. It was a very, very common scene in that society and needed no clarification for the listeners. The sower walks up and down the row. He wasn't watching where the seed fell, but was making sure he kept a straight line across the field. Consequently, the seed came to rest in various places. And so his thing was, keep a straight line, keep your eyes ahead, scatter the seed, broadcast the seed. So who is the sower? See, we're all called to sow the good news. Jesus says, this seed is the kingdom. The seed is the good news. And so who is the sower? We're all called to be the sower. And here's the thing. The sower sows a seed with an expectation of a harvest. That man didn't plow those straight lines. He's not out there with his bag of seeds, scattering it across, not expecting a harvest. And so we're each called to sow. And so we need to be a sower that sows seed with the expectation of a harvest. And then we have the seed. Jesus said that the word of God is like a seed it gets planted in our hearts and then has the potential to bear fruit but not every seed grows into a plant and bears fruit get this with the story we just read there's only a one in four chance of that ever happening a one in four chance the kind of soil it lands on makes all the difference the problem does not lie in the seed all the seed was good so, as that sower walked across gathering his seed, all that seed was good. It's the soil it lands on that makes the difference. Each seed held the potential to produce fruit. Each seed packed with kingdom potential. The only limiter is the condition of the soil. The only limiter to that seed ever burn fruit was the condition of the soil. We can't say much more about the sower and the seeds so if there's only one statement made about them both. It is a parable about the soil. So let's look at the soil representing the receptivity of our hearts to the seed, representing the kingdom message. The soil. And the first one is this. Oh, everyone loves a bit of Christian clip art, don't they? I thought I'd just put this in just for uh, just, uh, so you can see. Here's the four soils. And the first one is on the path or the way side. Some people are like the ground on the pathway. This was hard ground because people walked on it all the time and beat it down into a path or a road. These paths were uncultivated, they were dry, and they were in a place where the sun was very hot, so they were baked hard. They were beaten as hard as pavement by the feet of those who walked on them. Their fields weren't as neat and tidy as ours are now, it just would have been vast expanse of field, and so there was just these little paths created to get to your field. And because of that, they were just beaten hard. Though by the feet that walked on them, seed falling on, them that on those paths may have well fallen on concrete, for all the chance it had to burrow its way into the soil and produce anything. Such was how hard these paths were; it would just be like falling on concrete. People like the wayside are hard to the word of God. They don't allow and have no room for the seed of the word in their lives. It never enters. It doesn't relate to them, and therefore doesn't take root doesn't penetrate or pierce their heart. They hear it outwardly, but not inwardly. So when Jesus sat on that, on that boat and he taught to the people on the edge of the water. For some of them, the message he was saying didn't penetrate or pierce their heart. They were like the hard ground. They heard it outwardly, but not inwardly. And it, it was as the seed is received. We read the birds came in immediately and stole it. There was nowhere for the seed to pierce. There was nowhere for the seed to penetrate. And so it's just left lying on this hard ground. And the birds immediately rush in and steal it. And the birds represent the demonic world. They represent the devil and his hordes. You see, there's always a bird where there's seed lying on the road. Birds are a very familiar problem to any farmer. That's why we have scarecrows. The devil doesn't want the word of God to take root in any person's heart. Like a bird sweeping down and snatching a seed, he wants to remove the seed of the word from the soil of a person's heart. And so he loves nothing more than to see some hard ground with some seed land and thinks, I'm going to remove that before it ever has a chance to take root. This is the devil's preferred result. He wants to keep the word from ever having a place in a person's life so they will never be fruitful to God. What's the most dangerous thing to the devil? Someone who's just not fruitful. A life that's not producing fruit. The image that comes to mind is that of the seagulls. You sit down on the beach with your fish and chips and the seagull swoops in and steals the good stuff before you even get a chance. Just last Friday night, we were up in Restrever. Robbie was eating his curry chip at the harbour and his biggest fear was that one of them seagulls was going to steal that curry chip. He was like guarding it with his life, but we've all been there. I've been to Brighton Pier and just seen people's full fish suppers be swooped up by a seagull. It's almost this image. You sit down and before you even get to get the good stuff, it's been stolen away from you. Hard hearts must be ploughed up before they can receive the seed and this can be a painful experience that not many want to start. Then we have the stony ground. These stony places are common in Palestine. Often there will be lots of limestone rock covered by a thin layer of topsoil. You mightn't have always known that it was rocky. Deep, deep limestone found under it with a little thin layer of topsoil on it. The soil looks like it is ready to be sown. There's a good level. On the topsoil, it looks like it's good to, put so- to sow the seed into. The ground looks good and productive, and that the seed caster will germinate and quickly spring up into the desired plant. Because there is no depth of soil, it initially springs up, but as soon as the sun beats down on the tender plant, it withers and dies without producing any fruit. Jesus knew that many have an immediately favorable reaction to the word of God, but they give up quickly when it becomes difficult to follow Jesus. So Jesus knew this. Immediately favorable, lots of people immediately have a favorable, favorable reaction to the word of God. Why do you think there's a crowd now following him? People love a good crowd. People love a good story. Many had a favorable reaction to following Jesus. The ones sown on stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, with good joy. They receive this word of God, but they have no root, and so only endure for a time. Spurgeon says this, Religion that is born in mere excitement will die when the excitement is over. Religion that is born in mere excitement will die when the excitement is over. These people are enthusiastic but short-lived. They're just short-term. It doesn't come from the depths of their hearts. It is a surface response. Just like that topsoil, the surface looks good but below there's hard rock. They're such a shallow soil that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. They didn't put their roots down, so, they're, so they didn't put their roots down. So maybe it was just based on an emotional experience, a producing of good times, some spiritual goosebumps, and once the adrenaline wore off, they walked away. I'm sure we can all think of people in our head where this has been their response to the message of Jesus, and then they said, to "Us, I tried that Christianity thing." didn't work for me. But here's the thing, it's not a thing. It's a relationship. People never say, oh, that relationship with Jesus didn't work for me. They always say that Christianity thing didn't work for me. He says it's not a thing. It's a relationship. It's just an excuse. God never fails. God never lets anyone down. So when someone says to you, that Christianity thing didn't work for me, it's just an excuse. Because they treat it as a thing and not as a relationship. If I'm honest, I don't think these people ever were saved. Because nothing can snatch you from the hand of God. No hard time. And here's the thing, if you had it and then lose it, then you never really had it. If you had it and then lose it, you probably never really had it. I believe it was a confession of faith, but not a possession of genuine faith. So the confession of faith, but not a possession of genuine faith and no fruit was produced. They receive the seed of the word and the flash of enthusiasm, but it quickly burns out. They can't take the heat. These people don't put their roots down deep and draw on the life-giving moisture of His Holy Spirit. And so, when the heat comes, they shrivel up and die. And here's the thing: there must be a breaking up of the rocky heart. There must be a turning out of the rocks that underlie in the soil, or else there will be no harvest. Then we have third, the weeds. We might say this grind is too fertile. The word of God grows there, but so does everything else. Everything else soon begins to crowd out the word of God. This soil looks like it's ready to be sown, but underneath the surface are the living roots and seeds of thorns and weeds. This soil has been tilled and the thorns have been cut down, but their roots were never dug out. For any king gardeners out there, you know, you can cut the heads off of the weeds all if you want, but you need to get the root out and so the soil has been tilled and the thorns have been cut down but their roots were never dug out and so are alive and well just under the surface when the seed falls here it springs into life quickly and gives every indication that a good harvest will follow and when the seed springs into life so do the thorns and weeds that were already there and they soon choke out the tender plant the young plant withers and dies without producing any fruit at all, choked out by the weeds and thorns, by sinful things and the distractions of life. Normally not overnight, but a slow and the sometimes unseen process of a weed that does it. You see, there's not enough room for it to grow. The cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and the desires of other things crowd out and choke out the words so that it produces nothing. The stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. Some have too much else in their mind and their hearts. Money and pleasures and worry during the life out of a life once committed to obeying God. You see, you can't live in both camps. We're feeding the wrong seeds. We're feeding the wrong seeds. We can't live in both camps. Thorns are anything that distracts us from God. And we want God and a bunch of other stuff. Then that means we've got thorns in our soil. When God is not enough for us, that means we want other stuff. That means that we have thorns in our soil. Our relationship with God simply cannot grow when money, sin, activity, addictions or commitments are piled on top of it. It just can't grow. Were these guys saved? I don't think so. Yes, their confession may have lasted longer than those on the stony ground, but again, there was no fruit. And Jesus says we'll know his disciples. By their fruit. It's not a very hopeful parable, is it? So far, as a sower who knows the seed is always good, you're probably feeling a little bit deflated. None of this seed is taking root and producing the desired harvest. Eugene Peterson writes it like this It's not difficult in our world to get a person interested in the message of the gospel, it is terrifically difficult to sustain the interest. Millions of people in our culture make decisions for Christ, but there's a dreadful attrition rate. Many claim to have been born again, but the evidence for mature Christian discipleship is slim. In our kind of culture, anything, even news about God, can be sold if it is packaged freshly. But when it loses its novelty, it goes in the garbage heap. There's a great market for religious experience in our world. But there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to the sign-up for a long apprenticeship, what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. In our world, it isn't difficult to get someone interested in the message of the gospel. It's terrifically difficult to sustain that interest. If change was hopeless, then why did he tell his listeners to hear loud and clear? remember he's got ears let him hear imagine by the third type of soil they're like why has he got us listening to this message there is no hope in it soil after so all just lies there doesn't it soil can change on its own if the soil is concrete hard it isn't going to plow itself though I'm sure some people's gardens would love that some self-plowing soil would be amazing if it's full of rocks then they're there to stay and if the soil is full of thorns it's never going to become self-weeding Soil, after all, just lies there. Jesus was telling them that the true understanding translated into real obedience. So, Jesus told telling them the true understanding of this parable was translated into real obedience. Obedience to the word of God. Get this obedience is the combination of the plow, the fertilizer, and the weed killer that could transform barren lives of trampled ground, rock and thorn toached soil into lives that were categorized by supernatural abundance. Obedience is the combination of the ploy, fertilizer, weed killer, that could transform barren lives of trampled ground, rock and thorn-choked soil, into lives that were characterized by supernatural abundance. And this is what we see in the fourth soil described, the good soil. This represents the people who heard God's word and believed it. He isn't saying only good people respond to the gospel. Don't don't pick up this wrong. He's not saying only the good people get to respond to the gospel. But what's different about this soil is what it had been changed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had prepared this soil. These are people that put their trust in Jesus. Their hearts have received the message of the kingdom, and the seed will take root. They embrace and they obey the word. The soil is good because it is a hospitable environment for the seed and because it can sustain growth through to the harvest time. Because it is a hospitable environment for the seed and because it can sustain growth through to the harvest time. All the nutrients needed were there. This so- seed has found good soil and germinated and the roots have gone down deep into God. But just like when you plant actual seeds in the ground, the message of the kingdom will grow gradually. We don't plant the seed and see the plant the next day. The tree growth takes time. So as much as we hear, we need to be those who keep on hearing. We need to be those who accept. We need to receive what we hear into our hearts. So not just be those who hear with our ears, but those who re- hear, receive, and accept it into our hearts. We need to hold fast. I heard someone say recently, what is an oak tree? An oak tree is an acorn that refused to give ground. We need to hold fast to the good news that has been given, the truth in the kingdom of God. What is an oak tree? An oak tree is an acorn that refused to give ground. I see the you decision, you know what? I'm going to grow into a tree. I'm going to grow into what I was called to be with faith and patience and hope to get the promise. And the other thing, to produce fruit. To be a Christian is to bear fruit. That is the true discipleship. The word of God always bears fruit. Some are fruitful and some are very fruitful. As we read in the story, there's 30, 60, 100 fold. But all the good soil produced, the real fruit of salvation in abundance. The level of fruitfulness would have shocked the listeners of the day. Scholars say that a good yield in those days in the days of Jesus would have been 10%. So could you imagine if you were there with your own crop and Jesus said, you know if you plant it in the good soil, you get 30, 60, 100. And you're thinking, I'm lucky if I get 10 he was just saying, this would have shocked the listeners off the day. It would have been dramatic when Jesus said these figures. But he was talking about dramatic, phenomenal fruitfulness. Dramatic, phenomenal fruitfulness. Maybe this is one of the main points of the parable. Jesus is promising something awesome. Because here's the thing. You can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in a seed. So whatever fruit you produce, whether it's 30, 60, or 100%, you can count the seeds in an apple, can cut an apple open, you can count how many seeds inside your pink lady. But inside of those seeds, you can't count the apples. We've got to trust God that when we scatter the seed, he does the fruit making. You can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in a seed. See, there's a knock-on effect, a life cycle begins. Seeds that produce seeds that produce seeds. That's how we get 30 60, 100 fold. A life cycle is, is um, begins. A knock on effect begins. And so as we bring this in to close, all three factors are needed to produce a crop. The sewer is the preacher. He said, the disciples were commissioned with a very specific job. Their job was to preach the gospel. Their job was not to make people believe. Let me say that again. The disciples were commissioned with a very specific job. Their job was to preach the gospel. Their job was not to make people believe it. Their faithfulness and success was not based on the number of people that believed. Their success was determined on their faithfulness to scatter the seed. To know and preach the good news. To know that your job is not the response, but the message. Your job is to be the sower, to be the preacher, to be the one that scatters the seed that you have been given. Know that your job is not the response, but the message. It's the job of the Holy Spirit, as we read in John 16, verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Our job is not the response, but the message. But we're all called to sow. We all have different fields. We are all farmers. Your field tomorrow will be the workplace and the family that you go back to. That's the field that you've been called to sow your seed into. Sow with your own style. Evangelism can be done in many different ways. Broadcast the seed in whatever way you need to do. Radio obviously took that word broadcasting. So how are you going to broadcast your seed tomorrow? Through word, through action, through deed. Whatever that might be, we all have different fields. We are all farmers. Sow with your own style wherever you find yourself tomorrow. Know that your job is not the response, but the message. So the sower is needed. All three factors are needed to produce the crop. The sower. The seed is God's word. Know that the seed is always good. The good news is still good news. It hasn't lost its goodness. It hasn't lost its power. It still has the ability to change and transform lives. There's power in the seed, but the seed needs to be sown. You can study the seed, categorize the seed, analyze the seed, know the seed, and even love the seed. But if you don't sow it, it will do nothing and nothing will grow. The seed is good, but it needs to be sown. If you're just keeping it for yourself, it's not worth it. And the soil, the soil is your response. It is interesting to think about what kind of soil the people around us are. What sort of soil is the seed being sown into in our culture and generation? And what can we do to prepare the ground? They're good questions to think about. You know what is the seed I'm sown into in my family? Is it hard? Is it rocky? Is it full of weeds? But however, what I think God really wants us to do with this parable is ask ourselves: what kind of soil am I? Am I like the hard soil on the path, or the rocky soil, or the thorny soil, or the good soil? If we're honest with ourselves, they're probably have to admit that at different times in our life we each We have each been like each of these soils. There are times when I have been hardened to the word of God. There are times when I have responded enthusiastically at first to God's word, but that I haven't pursued it with deeper learning. And still other times I've been distracted or seduced by the things of this world. It's important that we ask ourselves, how much mature growth, how much fruit is the word producing in our own lives? St. Augustine says this, Work diligently the soil while you may. Break up your follow with the plough. Cast away the stones from your field and dig out the thorns. Be unwilling to have a hard heart such as makes the word of God of no effect. Be, willing to have a, be unwilling to have a thin layer of soil in which the root of divine love can find no depth in which to enter. Be willing to choke the good seed by the cares and the lusts of this life when it's been scattered for your good. Work diligently the soil while you may. We need to continue to cultivate the soil of our own hearts with the help of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing, there's no hosepipe on the kingdom of heaven right now. Allow the Holy Spirit to water the seed in your heart to bring a harvest for his glory. You know, the seed in your heart doesn't have to die. The grass doesn't have to go the yellow color. There's no host by pan in the kingdom of heaven. God wants to come and flash flood your life that you would bring a harvest for his glory. Let the truth of Psalm 1 be spoken over our lives. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with the sinners or join in with the mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, And they prosper in all that they do. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. You see, the same is found in John 15. The call was always to remain and produce. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Jesus says the seed is the message of the kingdom. The obvious point of this parable is that God's word is intended to penetrate us, to grow in and through us and produce a great harvest. Jesus says the seed of this message of the kingdom, the the obvious point of this parable is that God's word is intended to penetrate us, to grow in and through us and produce a great harvest. The point is obviously growth kingdom expansion harvest fields for the lord we need to wash the soil of our own hearts and spread the seed seed that produces seed that produces seed that produces seed that brings in a harvest of 100 fold and tonight the same challenge goes to us if you understand this then you need to respond if we have ears we must learn to hear same, the same response goes out to us and the same challenge goes to us tonight as the original readers. If you've got ears, then hear. If we've got ears, we must learn to hear. The band are going to close with a song. I'm going to pray for us in response to this tonight. God, let us be those who've got ears to hear. Ears to hear the words of John 15 tonight. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. God, I pray you'd help us to cultivate good soil in our hearts, God. Soil that is so receptive to the seed of your word. So that a harvest may come, God, that is 30, 60, 100 fold. And God, that we would also have the desire to spread that seed, God, into the fields that we find ourselves in each and every day. That we may see harvest field after harvest field for your kingdom, God. Life after life changed and transformed by the power of your good news. And so God, I pray, would you stir up on us a passion for your name, Jesus. Would we be those hearts who know mercy that cannot remain silent, God, but we must sow the seed that you have given us. God, that we'd be those who break up the hard ground. God, that we'd be those who pull out the rocks. God, that we'd be those who dig out the roots of the weeds. God, that others may grow and flourish in your kingdom. God, may there be a harvest for your glory. God, may there be a harvest, God, for your name's sake. God, in our families, in our workplaces, in this nation and the nations, God. May we be those disciples who are known by our fruit and much fruit at that. God, may our hearts be a garden for you. God, where fruit would come, for your namesake we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.